Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And thank you for joining for the West Coast Eagles podcast, Chris. Yes. Uh, not a not a bad little podcast. Oh, the second last of this series, which is... Second last. Yeah. And more importantly, the best we have coming to last there. We're touching on the only relevant team in the West, Chris. <laughs> I'm not sure that Fremantle fans, would, uh, they might argue a point there. But uh, yeah, West Coast obviously well, a huge team over in... Uh, I'm in saying from Tim Kelly's perspective, they're the only team in the West, Chris. Ah, uh, yes, of course. But before yep. we get on the way, we're going to start with our social. Facebook.com forward slash SC Insider. On Twitter, it is SC underscore Insider underscore. Yep. And on Twitch, it's uh, twitch.tv forward slash SC underscore Insider. And on all major podcast, plat- podcast platforms and YouTube. Yes, correct. So, yeah, pretty fun. Um, I've had a couple of people hit me up uh, regarding the spreadsheet. So, I haven't updated it in about five weeks. It is online. I'm going to make some final touches to that this week before we have our actual draft league on Sunday. Yep. And I'll re-release that and make sure everyone gets on that good gear uh, by the end Show of the week. Show us that good gear. All right. Yes. Well, let's get into West Coast. Um, they are slightly super coach relevant without being overly super coach relevant. But they do have the round 12 buy, so good for upgrade targets, which means you get to see some exposed form before you want to bring in a lot of these guys. And I think there could be easy upgrade targets too because I don't think there's going to be too many outlandish scorers. I think there's going to be a lot of good scorers without being a lot of great scorers. Yes, um, they're very ha- interesting. Yeah, they have a reasonable start to the season. So they have Melbourne at home in round one, then the Saints at Marvel, Geelong at home, Port away, Richmond at home, and then the Hawks in Tassie. So um, their harder games are all at home, uh, which is good for them. And they should come out of that run at least four and two and maybe even six and oh. So um, they play the, of those four, of those sorry, six, um, Richmond and Geelong are both at home. So you, yeah, that's you, know, a good you advantage. get them on your... And look, as everybody knows, over there in West Coast, they probably have the best home ground advantage in the league. So um, they could definitely come out of that yeah. absolutely guns blazing. Well, the good thing about the major Victorian sides is, is that it is the same size as the MCG. So at least they'll be able to train and they'll have that kind of the same dimensions. It's just yeah. that... Um, yeah, look, let's face it, all the West Coast fans are a bit biased and they call the hold the ball and the, they get them over there. I, but I honestly think that, that if the umpire's not strong enough to withstand oh, yeah. the, the, the pressure of the you know, 23rd man, then that's that's their fault. Chris, everything is open to persuasion. And if 50,000 people, people, 50, people are yelling holding the ball, then you're kind of like, fuck, maybe that was on the ball. And I would just argue that you sh- in Melbourne or anywhere else, any other home ground, you should also be yelling holding the ball at everything like I do. Um, anyway, <laughs> you yell it at the TV, Chris, and it seems to work. Uh, yeah, exactly. It does work. They hear me from here. That's how loud I am. Um, their double ups are against the Cats, Richmond, Frio, Port, and Pies. Pretty tough. Um, so pretty tough. Um, obviously, the Pies, Geelong, and Richmond are all very tough fixtures for them, um, apart from probably the Pies because they keep rolling us. Um, they do get the ease of Frio, though, obviously, with the double up and Port, who I don't think are going to be too amazing this year, but. Um, again, Port have proved that anything can happen when and you play Port. Port. Have, Port have beaten them over there too That's in the true. wet. So, um, so look, obviously they had a great year, but they fell in the uh, in the at the elimination final round to Geelong, to Geelong uh, in a game which they could have won and would have, I reckon, if they played at home. But obviously they played away. Yes, um, and they played at GMHBA instead of the G, which I think also hurt them. Um, but they missed the top four by only five percentage points. So they actually were on the same wins as Collingwood. Well, yeah, but, but they, they hurt themselves points. because they, they lost the last round to... That's true. 
Yeah. I can't remember who beat them in the last round. It was pretty funny. Yes. Anyway, so they were they were primed for fourth spot unless they lost, and they, then they lost. They and then Collingwood have been in the top. Well, four. Collingwood swooped in, and then what did Collingwood do? They then beat Geelong, and then get a week off. And that really hurt uh, the Eagles' chances of you know, backing it up. Huge. And I honestly think that they're going to be around the same mark this year, um, somewhere in the top four, probably with an outside chance of being fifth or sixth. I think that they're uh, pretty much around that. Yep. Some key stats which I found really super interesting with their uh, their year. They were actually 17th in disposals, but they were fourth in kicks, meaning that they had the highest kick-to-handball ratio in the entire league of 64.3%. So to put that into perspective, that's you're talking like Brisbane Lions 0203 numbers. Like that's the sort of football that they play. Um, they are a heavy kicking team and a low uh, percentage handball team. Having said that, they're also 15th in clangers. So even though they kick the ball more than everyone else, they also hold the ball more better than anyone else. And they're fifth in disposal efficiency. So that is an incredible yeah. stat. Elite, for a team elite, kick, as much as they elite do. kicking skills, key possession of the football. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that's great. And I think that was the, the ploy of uh, Port Adelaide was, and they're a great marking team. So you put it yep. up in the air and they have the great interceptors and then they just chip, chip, chip and work you down. Well, I would have thought that was one of their strengths until I read they were also last last year in intercepts, which oh. is very, very surprising. Um, so if you can control the ball against West Coast, they won't win it back very often. I think that um, aerially, they're very strong in the defense. So Conversely to that, a lot of teams stopped doing that. They stopped yeah. bombing their ball into the into their defensive fifty. Or stop going high. They Absolutely. just go, go low and then make them pick it up around their ankles. And to their credit, that has worked in, in to a certain extent. So yeah. we saw last year that there was the chaos ball inside fifty against uh, West Coast to try and mitigate their marking power inside the defensive fifty. So um, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I really think that that's a, a quite an interesting fact considering how strong they are, especially aerially. Um, they had a bit of movement in the off-season, so Chris Maston, of course, uh, was delisted, but uh, was obviously retired. Yeah, not, better, not, not best 22. Yep. Um, Fraser McInnes was delisted. Uh, Brody Riach, Riach, Rioch? I don't even know how to pronounce that. Delisted. Uh, everyone's favourite R3, Paddy Bynes, was delisted. Kurt Mudemar was delisted. Matthew Allen, no idea who any of these guys are. And Keegan Brooksby, unfortunately, was also delisted. Uh, the former Gold Coast player, I believe, he played for. Josh Smith, former Pies man, was also delisted. And, of course, they got the big gun in, uh, Tim Kelly, who yep. came over from Geelong. Yeah, good on Geelong and West Coast getting that done nice and early, too. And I think they, they paid, paid overs, but, oh, uh, look, I suppose... You get what you want? You had right there, you had Frio saying, yeah, we'll have them, we'll have them, we'll give you X. So, you know, you couldn't yeah. really complain about that. They also retained the rookies of Hamish Brayshaw and Brendan Archie, uh, who are, I think, going to be important players to the list. Yeah, I in think the if they years, get a good so. run, they might actually be able to contribute. So I think they'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, obviously, the problem with someone like a West Coast is that they are so established that it's hard to break into those teams. Yep. Um, and case in point, we'll start off with their premiums. Shannon Hearn, obviously, 562K defender. And he looked fantastic early. He was absolutely dominating. He averaged 116.4 over the first 10 games. And then old man muscle injuries started to creep into his game. Yep. And Once look, he, he hasn't actually had these um, in the last few years. Like he's played every game the last couple of years. Um, and now at 33, he had both hamstring and calf issues at separate times during the year, which I can only imagine that continuing to happen, unfortunately. Um, in the back end of last year, so um, after his first... 10. Um, he only averaged 89.2. Yeah, so, really dropped off. Yeah, so he did uh, still have a overall average of 103, but that's a massive drop off to 89. So I 
think a lot of that was injury affected. He's probably going to come out this year and go really well early again. But how long he can maintain that for is a little yeah. bit up in the air for me. It'll be interesting. Um, so look, it's just a real guess. For me, 562k for someone that is 33 and they're looking to transition him out of the team. Yeah, I'd, um, see, I'd rather go to Zach Smith or someone. Oh, no, not Zach Smith. Smith, bloody Williams. Zach Williams, you know, oh, 550k, I think. Similar price range, I think. Probably and more younger. Upside, and yeah. younger. So the thing is, so last year when he was out of, out of the side, you saw some other guys step up. And those two guys were Lewis Jetta and Brad Shepard. Brad Shepard averaged uh, 84 last year and a big step up from his previous super coach numbers. And I thought he was really serviceable at times. Yeah, no, he was good. Um, played really well as that, again, intercepting marker defender. Um, Jeremy McGovern averaged 87 last year, again, as an intercepting marker. Um, but I really see Lewis Jetta as the one that is going to replace him. He took a lot of kickouts, kickouts when he wasn't yep. there. Um, and he's got that booming boot on him and can, and can run. So... I think that eventually they'll start to transition Lewis Jetter into that role permanently. Um, and that's his long-term replacement. So they already have that in the side. Realistically, I think Hearn's only there because they're still in a premiership window. If it wasn't, you may even see him already re- re- retired. So um, yeah, if they don't start off well. Yeah. like, And you can see he, you know, he's a candidate. If they you know, lose six in a row, which isn't going to happen. But let's say they lost a few in a row. He might even just call time. I don't think he's really in it apart from the fact that they're in a window and he wants to win games of footy. Um, he's a great player. That's a hard one though because he's captain service. as well. So he'd, yeah. he'd stay out the year if he was captain. Oh, he'd, he'd be there in the background anyway for support. No, I, I but, think as a captain he'd still play all year and then he'd move on. I think this is his last year. Yeah. I would be surprised to see him come back again for another year. Um, but it does depend on his body and how that holds up. But I just can see these injuries just creeping in and creeping in and creeping in. It's going to be an issue for him long term. So right. we'll see how that goes. Um, on to the midfield now. Um, so the problem with West Coast is a very similar thing or epidemic that happens to Collingwood in that they have a lot of players that average good, but nothing that averages fantastic. They literally have six bona fide mid premiums. I say premiums in a very much inverted commas. And they can all be considered for draft, but I wouldn't touch any of them in standard. I don't think any of them are standard relevant. Um, but going through them, the first one's Elliot Yo. I think the only one that would be possibly relevant would be Elliot Yo. And that's well, only if he takes the... Well, but even then, we're expecting them all to go, you know, wayside, essentially. But yep. with Tim Kelly coming in, you know what I mean? Yo might not get tagged. Where's the, where's the role? Well, well, that's where, what, one it depends thing. on what his role is, because if they move him, you know, more outside, that's going to be an issue. But True. Um, I think that Elliot Yo's ceiling, regardless, is probably around 110. And the, the, the problem with that is, obviously... The way that Elio plays is that he also plugs gaps. Yeah. So he gets thrown forward and back at times, which obviously impacts his scoring. But I think, like, you know, I personally think he's their best midfielder by far. Well, I think he's the only one that so, has upside to go 110. Oh, and that's the thing. So out of any of them, he's the only one that can probably go 110. But like we've discussed on previous pods, to me, 110 is not enough this year. No. I think you need to go 115 plus. I can't see Elliot Yo producing that much of an improvement with an arriving Tim no. Kelly. And even then, even if he hits 115, it's kind of like, that's good, but he's not going to hurt you compared to everyone no. else. He needs to he's go, even ends. if he went 120 yeah. and everyone else went 115, then that's five points. That's that's a good, but it's, he's not going to hurt you compared yeah. to the top six. And he's quite expensive. He's still like 570K. It's not, he's not a cheap option. Um, Tim Kelly is the next one, of course. And I think the same about Tim Kelly. So he obviously came out of the gates last year, absolutely on fire, but he is susceptible to the tag. And I yep. think we saw how damaging he can be, but also how he can be very simply nullified. 
Yep. And that's probably from lack of experience in the league as an elite midfielder. And you would assume that he's well, he wanted to go home and couldn't, came out as a workhorse, did his job. Yep. Um, you would expect that that would continue, but he has now moved home closer to family. So does he now that he's got big dollars and he's finally gone home? Is he still going to be that driven? The hungry, yeah. That, the that's the funny bear. part. Like, isn't it stupid to assume that? But you go home and now you might be a bit more content. Well, we talked about two things that could really impact him positively. And that's the first one is that he's going to a midfield that's already established to literally just go and hunt the ball. Um, he doesn't have to do much of the defensive work because they've got other great mids that can do a lot of that. Yep. Um, he's not going to have to take the grunt of that midfield load. So like he was in Geelong where he could literally see ball, get ball, and play his natural game, that's going to be a really important factor for him. Um, and, of course, the other positive thing is there are other midfielders in there that can get off the chain. Guys like Luke Shuey and Elliot Yo can absolutely dominate you in a quarter of football, and then you're blown away. So Tim Kelly could get the benefit of not being the only midfielder that can get a tag there yeah. too. So there, it could go both ways, but it because of that could. reason and the uncertainty... Yeah. I can't pick him. I, now, even then, even in draft, like, I'll, I'll let someone else pick him. And I like Tim Kelly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, is he going to go 90? Is he going to go 100? Is he going to go 105? There's a lot of points in that midfield. And it's 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 a crazy consideration. Yeah. Their style of play as well, you know, all the kicking. He's not actually the, a really amazing kicker of the football. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think the answer is we don't know. He's, he's priced 103, so he's not going to be great. Is he going to be 115? Highly unlikely. He's only mid only. I can't see yeah, him being think, yeah, really mid super only this year. I think he was uh, last year's hot flavor. But I wouldn't. It wouldn't be surprising if he came out and averaged 110. And I wouldn't be. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, like totally. But I just can't see him breaking into that top six to eight midfielders. That even if he went 110, I still don't think he'd be top six to ten. Oh no, I think that. Or maybe fringe on ten. Fringe on ten. If he did that, you're but looking at somewhere in chances, that ten to twenty mark. Chances of him averaging 100 to 104 or something would probably be pretty high. I think that's pretty yeah. much where he's at. But I think not a 105 is probably a, a reasonable assumption. Yeah. Um. Now, and the, uh, part of the problem is there's so many of these guys all taking points of each other. You got Andrew Gaff as well. So, super coach wise, I think he's the most susceptible to be going down this year. Because, of course, Tim Kelly coming in. I think that he probably pushes out, outside. I was wondering whether he went a bit more outside, yeah. Yeah. And we've seen his scoring patterns on the outside. Don't get me wrong, he still racks up the ball in incredible numbers. But his super coach scoring is a lot better on the inside. Yeah. And for that reason, I do think that he's going to be going down this year. Um, other one, of course, Luke Shuey. Again, can go massive. Can go absolutely huge, Luke Shuey. We've seen that before. He's got 160 in his pipeline, just ready to go. But hot and cold. Super yeah. uh, susceptible to the tag. Huge consistency issues is, on, is Luke Shuey in a nutshell. Well, yeah, but he is, let's face it, great in grand finals, Chris. Oh, yeah, especially when you don't tag him. <laughs> um, uh, Dom Sheed, um, here we go. Uh, Roll super uncertain. So where does Dom Sheed play this year? No I'd say idea. For, forward pocket slot and goals, Chris. Well, he, he averaged 95 this year. I hate you. But I do think you see, you see him a lot more forward this year. I yeah. think you see him a lot more forward mid as opposed to mid forward, um, which is a bad thing for Dom Sheed scoring. I thought he played really well at times last year, and I was super upset that I didn't have him at the start of the yeah. year when he was just going big. I think he'll rotate through. You know, I mean, if you look at everyone having their whatever percentage mid time they're having, I think he'll ro- go through yep. when they're missing. Uh, you know, like Shuey or they're when missing a yo. He'll or... well, just he'll flow through, so he'll probably go half half. Yeah, I still don't think it's... 50-50, but again, he's, he's definitely not, not going to be relevant super coach Well, he's not their top four midfielders. I so. think that you, you, you'd avoid him in draft as well. I think yeah. he's going to be averaging somewhere like high 80s. And in midfield, that's just not enough in draft, in my opinion. Yep. 
And the last one is, of course, Jack Redden. Um, one that can super get off the chain because he, he's a lot. Of, he's a very much a mark kick type player. So he'll rack up numbers and you wouldn't even notice he was just racking up 35 disposals. Um, he goes under the radar really heavily and drops the odd 50 for no reason though. So he'll yeah. come out and do a 150 and the next week he comes out and pops a well, 50. Well, the problem is if, so. if you don't notice him when he's getting 35, he's just racking it up. Then when he doesn't get anything, you're like, oh, where is he? Oh, there he is. Absolutely. So... All of those six guys, no idea where they're they're going to end up, but I can tell you that they're not going to be 110 plus. So for that reason, for me, none of those guys are relevant in standard. They're all just draft relevant. And then even at draft, you take one, you take another. It's not going to hurt. They might win you a week. They might lose you a week. And that's that's where I see it. Yeah, that's fair. um, Moving on to the ruck. Um, So obviously there is... West Coast have notoriously had some really fantastic rucks over their time over there. Nick Nat is the big one. Yes. Um, and look, I love Nick Nat yep. as a Four. player, as a as a ambassador for the game. I think he's fantastic. Oh, he's great to watch. He's 457K though, so a few people are uh, using him as that cheaper option, Chris. They are. They are. I think he's about, what is he, like 250 cheaper? 350 cheaper. Uh, 450, 650, 650, 750. Seven, yeah, 250 cheaper. Um, and you know what? It's crazy. He's in 14% of teams. That's a huge number of teams. For someone who's been injured and hasn't played a full season in forever. Oh, well, an interesting stat is... He's played 55 of a possible 110 games in the last oh, five years. Half. There you go. He's literally played exactly half of the amount of games in the last five years, which is just a crazy injury risk to even be considering. And I feel that this year is basically like I've seen this before. Two years ago when we had a podcast about West Coast and I was really hot on Nick Nat. I was like, no, nah, Nick Nat's coming in. He's going to blow it up. It's going to be fantastic. This was before... Gorn and Grundy started posting 130s every week like it was just nothing. Yeah. All right. So I was like, oh, yeah, that R2, you know, try out that Nick Nat. He's going fantastic. Um, but there's two things I'd like to say about this. First of all, I've seen it all before. He got injured. It, the pick didn't work out and, it, you know, such is life. But he's far too expensive, in my opinion, to be a stepping stone because he's 450K. So has to be a keeper. You've got to choose him to be a keeper. The only thing that I would maybe consider is if he if he was to turn around and average you 105 over the first 10 rounds, then he's almost getting you there where that, say, 250 grand, if you spend it somewhere else, you might make up that extra 20 points. Yeah. But I can't I, I just can't see him averaging 105. I think it's more likely he's probably a 95 type average, which is unfortunate because the thing that will keep him down is his time on ground. Well, that's what I was going to say, is that his time on ground, he, he could average you a 110. Oh, he could be a 120 player if he was if, if if his as time, much game time as everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His time on ground is notoriously low compared to everyone else. He's yeah. an impact player, which is why he scores so well. His hit-outs, uh, hit-outs to advantage are immaculate. Yep. I think he'll be tapping it down the throats of a, a really good midfield. midfield. Yep. Yeah, and if he can stay on the park, he'll score well. His yep. points per minute are huge, but the problem is, what does he play? Like sixty-six percent? Well, time on ground. What is it? Like uh, it's it's uh, for the last five years, it's been just under sixty uh, percent, oh. um, and his average over the last seven years is like sixty-three percent or something like that. Okay, so yeah, now, very low. His highest he's ever been able to achieve was seventy-eight percent, and that was when he averaged one hundred and fourteen. Now, unfortunately, that was also before the ruck hit out. The yep. advantage rules change. That was where you got points for any, yeah. t- any hit. So he it, it, that year could have been like a 125 year, maybe even more. Yep. Um, so he's got the scope to do it if he's got the time on ground. But I don't think there's any chance, especially coming back off another injury season, that he comes in. Yep. He only played three games last year. Yeah, well, because he did the um, the ACL, then did his ACL again, and then was it no, the PCL? Oh, who knows? Whatever he did. The amount of knee and then, oh, But then he also had like tendonitis or something. Injuries, yeah, he yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so again, I think that, and and so the argument that most people are making is that, oh no, like he played a couple of games in back end last year, his back is fully fit. No, he's not. I will be incredibly surprised, incredibly surprised, if he comes back and in the first game is over 55% time and ground. We came back, played the three games, and then happen. he was injured again. Yep. Exactly, yeah. But people don't see that because it was the end of the year. No, I don't. Yeah. But yeah, he got injured again. Where they like, don't see he, it on he the doesn't scores, need, He doesn't need surgery. They just had to rest him. So yep. it's like, how is he going? Who knows? So for me, again, you're looking for him to A, make you money or B, um, be a keeper. He's definitely not going to be a keeper in my opinion because you've just got two over and above outstanding choices. And he's not going to make you enough money because his time on ground is going to be restricted. So I think it's going to be a failed pick. I would rethink your strategy if you've got Nick Nat there. But that's my personal opinion. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying what yeah, I think. That's you just do. their opinion. And I think yeah. if he comes out and starts playing like 70% time on ground in the JLT, then, well, I'd, then be, oh, I'd be mate, interested. Yeah, I would all of a sudden be like, how yeah. do I get Nick Nat in my team? Because be that very would be very valuable. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, but yeah, the other consideration as well is that he's got a very, very, very bad buy for the Gorn situation. So he has the first buy and then Gorn has a second buy. So you'll miss him in the first round and then Gorn will be gone in the second round. So you're guaranteeing a zero during the buys by ha- not uh, by having Nick Nat. Unless you trade him before, but then, yeah, it's that's a waste of trades. In an ideal situation, you obviously want to trade to Gorn after his buy so that you can maximize points on ground. Yeah, but even then, you don't want to trade. Yeah, you don't want him to You keep him. You can't trade him. Otherwise, Abs- it's a waste of picking Absolutely. him in the first place. Well, the difference is picking Jacobs. He's yeah. got, because he's got the back buy, then you can play him through Gorn's buy and then just trade him when Jacobs misses, but you can't do that with Nick Nat. No. It's another consideration. So. Okay, fair cool. Uh, moving forward, um, so there really isn't anyone with standard relevancy, unfortunately, but one who might, very, very might, might be is Jack Darlin. There you um, go. So questionable to play round one because he actually just fractured his cheekbone in training. Um, probably going in too hard, the big fella. Well, did you see how the video, how they were training real hard? It was Kennedy and... Um Oh, not Shepard or someone was all over him telling up. Did you see that video? No, no I didn't. Oh, no. they were pretty much like full on like grappling, lead up, lead you back, go again. I did want to grab you. Yeah. Um, but they were, they were training really physically, West Coast. Oh, I so think they're this it's stage. no, so, well, it's no surprise. No, we're talking be, yeah. fully like over the top physically. Like Sydney's first year player, like over the top. Yeah, <laughs> like fully. So it's no wonder that someone actually busted their cheekbone because they, so, they were yeah. pushing the limit. Um. Now, cheekbone's a funny thing. You can probably play with it anyway. So I would be very surprised if he doesn't play round one. But I don't think he plays for the Masters because they probably don't want to risk it. Uh, but here's him in a nutshell. Average 84 for the year. But from round seven onwards, he averaged 95.2. And I'm not going to say that that's going to be his natural curve. No, because well, because was, those that put him in the F3 last year were rewarded with a whole big pile of turds. Absolutely. And <laughs> so he went so low in some of those games to start the year. Yeah, to say that that's a, a large enough sample size that, or that after round seven to be that's going to be his normal scoring pattern. Now, I, I can't think... you don't. That's no. not how key forwards work. They're going yeah. to have those low games, so you can't take them out of his average. Basically, and rule number one is don't pick key forwards. And if the rule number two is, is that Tom Lynch does not apply to this rule. <laughs> that's true. That's pretty much... He's the only key forward... That that I think well, would be yeah, interesting to start. Two, he's side. also done it before yeah. in a really, really bad Gold Coast team. Correct. But he had Gary Ablett kicking to him, so there's that. Um, so, look, he's got potential on the fringes to be a top 10 if he can maintain that consistency, but I doubt it. Um, for drafts, that makes him a little bit valuable, so I wouldn't mind picking him up in a draft team. Yeah, I have him in a keeper league go, right now. If someone wants to pick him up, I'll trade him to you tonight, just one time only. Um, <laughs> this won't be released tonight. No. Um, uh, the other one, of course, um, Kenny's dropped off the map absolutely incredibly. 
Um, he's now off into obscurity. He's uh, too old now too. I think he's 33 years old. Um, but I don't know. The thing is, last year he was battling on and off in injuries. Even though he played 20 games, he still actually was battling through injury most of the season and just managed to get on the park. But he only averaged 61 for the season. So draft value, yeah. Yeah, Darling's about to be 28, of all things. Yeah, so, which is still uh, key forward-wise. Yeah, but... He's still got three, four years in him. Yeah, still, but he hasn't but, lit the world alight, has he? Nah, nah. But, I mean, the way that they play, they don't need to. You mm-hmm. know, they have a lot of smalls that impact the scoreboard there at uh, West Coast. Um, now, rookies-wise, so, unfortunately, of course, as you know, and we've, we've been banging on, they're very, very deep all around the field, West Coast, so there's not really much rookie-wise. Plus, of course, they traded away... All their draft picks. Well, all their rookies so, were all their rookies were more need based, so like the small forwards, which they've got good ones and they've played games into them already. Yes. So it's more the case absolutely. of last year would have been the year to get so And we did. We had we some did. really great yeah, uh, yeah. Petroselli last Cameron year. Cameron came through. Cameron. Yeah, for sure. So we had some good guys there that we'll probably play again some more games this year. Um, but with pick forty nine they picked up an overage ruck in Callum Jamison. Um obviously he won't be anything relevant because they've obviously got Nick Nat. Tom Hickey and Vardy, and there's no way that Jamison gets a gig unless there's two or three injuries there. Yeah. Um, the, uh, ben Johnson, they picked up uh, at pick 58. He's a lightly framed small defender with good disposal penetration, um, but again, unlikely to be relevant. So needs to put on some weight. And they also picked up another um, on the rookie draft that is also lightly framed. So they've basically picked up kids that are all project players that are going to be able to get in the gym, do some work, work with the team, and they're not going to be expecting round, um, you know, to play this year. It sounds like they're picking up lightly framed people that can kick the ball. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, they like, well, they like good users. Yeah, good, so, like, if we get some good users it's in... It's their game style, right? Yeah, they want sure. They want people that can use the football. Yeah. Um, the one that may be of interest to people, and I have seen him pop up in teams, is Jared Brander. Um, he's a 133k uh, defender forward. A lot of people are using him as a link for uh, Hill? Stephen Hill. Yep. Um, on the bench he has been spoken about and i don't know how much truth to this rumor there is um as someone who might play on the wing this year as opposed to forward or back um i can't see that personally happening with tim kelly coming in pushing out dom sheed pushing out andrew gaff i just don't see a role for him on a wing so again it's a preseason watch to see unfortunately his forward and defender swings not really that great because he played two games last year and he had a return of 34 and 35 so he's not someone that I'm looking at going, oh, yeah, I've got all this confidence in this guy that might score well. Yeah, a guy Unless that'll make $20,000. and it's Yeah. Unless he literally gets a role change and I can see it yeah. in the Masteries. On the interested. wing, getting like an 80 and an 80, then that would yeah. be like, yeah, valuable. But one to watch. Um, have an eye on him because he's cheap enough as that forward fender swing that um, you might want to have him there if, if he does play well in the Masteries. Yeah, yeah, good gear. Uh, so preseason watch, obviously. So I want to see how their entire midfield set up with Tim Kelly. Um, I think that will... Yeah, um, who's inside, who's outside, yeah. who's on, who's in a different role. Absolutely. Uh, and then Brander's role, that's who I'm really interested in. Outside that, there's not really else to watch. Um, breakout contenders, I, the thing is with them, I can't see anyone breaking out. There's nothing really in that mid-tier category that I think, oh, they're going to get a role change and they're going to come in and do better. I actually see it more as there's going to be guys that are premium value that are going to drop in scoring as opposed to increase in scoring. Um, so the only one that I see that may be an outside chance of increasing is Lewis Jetta. If he obviously gets that role that we think he's going to get, and they start transitioning Hearn out, but that's literally it. Yep. Um, Can we also so yeah. say a uh, quick little disclosure? 
I had a couple of messages come through on YouTube and whatever have you as well. I completely forgot. Uh, we are human. Sometimes we, when we go through a team reveal and Chris does his dodgy research, sometimes things, oh, okay, cool. sometimes things are missed. Uh, we are human. A couple of people asking what our thoughts are on Max King. Is it Max King? Ben? No, Ben? Max Saints. King. Max King, which was uh, unfortunately missed out on the rookies Kilda from St. Kilda podcast. Quick disclosure. Uh, he we has... didn't actually miss him. We actually did mention him. It's just... Was it? Yeah, oh, he was mentioned we, as we didn't rate the rookie him. from last year. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> so fair enough. Anyway, yeah, he, but... he killed the club. He's been in my side for quite a long time. So uh, I probably should have mentioned a little bit more because I rate, uh, him. I, I rate I, him highly. I don't rate him at all. I rate him highly. So there you go. Well, his brother last year in the same role averaged 41 points per game. Yeah, but his brother's not as good. We're talking about like pick three versus pick five or six or something, right? Like oh, really? Yeah. So that One's a forward difference? and one was... A, no, the other brother was a swing player. Mate, mm, what, I'm not interested at all. Nah, Kingy's killing it, mate. Nah. Get amongst it. If again, if he comes out in the preseason and you know kicks a bag of goals each game, then yeah, sure. But the the problem with key forwards is the only way they score is by taking contested marks and kicking goals. Yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does best. Okay. Well, has any rookie ever been able to do that ever? Yeah, plenty. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> you just you literally just said plenty, and you're like. I yeah. don't know, because that's probably never happened. That's your job to look it up, Chris. Okay, cool. You're debating. Oh, okay. Anyway, oh, okay. Any other facts, Chris? <laughs> now nah, we're good. Moving on. Wonderful. Thank you very much. This is the wrap-up for the second last podcast in our team analysis series. Chris, are we going to be going to Twitch after the JLT? We will During be. During the JLT? Yes, we will be. We'll be doing Marsh some... Marsh series? The Marsh series will be Sorry? all Twitch-based. We'll be doing all Wonderful. of that through, through Twitch. There yes. you go. So our Twitch followers do hang out for that. And until next time, you stay classy. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. I am invincible, I'm breaking